If you're ready to elevate your level of care and professional satisfaction, register today for the trusted DPC event that can help get you where you want to go. With three physician-led tracks focusing on starting a DPC practice, growing a DPC practice, and clinical expertise within a DPC practice, the Direct Primary Care Summit has content for anyone no matter where you are in your DPC journey. The DPC Summit is happening June 20th to 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Learn more and register today at dpcsummit.org. A note about today's episode. There is some language that may be inappropriate for young listeners, so please consider this as you listen today. Thanks for tuning in. Direct primary care is an innovative alternative path to insurance-driven health care. Typically, patients pay their doctor a low monthly membership and, in return, build a lasting relationship with their doctor and have their doctor available at their fingertips. Direct primary care is a life-saving change for us as physicians, and it gives us the opportunity to do what we do best without the shackles. I'm Dr. Natalie Gentili of Gentili Family Direct Primary Care, and this is my DPC story. Dr. Natalie Gentili is board certified in both family medicine and lifestyle medicine. She was born and raised in Pittsburgh, attending Mount Lebanon High School and St. Vincent College. She then completed her medical school training at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Her family medicine residency was completed at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, where she practiced as an attending physician before moving back to Pittsburgh. She is now the president of the Direct Care Physicians of Pittsburgh. She is also the proud wife of Amir and mama to their son, Luca, and daughter, Layla. She opened Gentilly Family Direct Primary Care in September of 2019. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Gentilly. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is so exciting to talk with you, especially when we talk later about your involvement in COVID vaccination in your community. But I wanted to start out with how did you learn about DPC? Wow. So I did that traditional path of high school to college, to med school, to residency. Oh my gosh. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And um, when I was at Mayo Clinic uh, for an awesome family medicine residency experience, I knew I would be on staff there for a couple of years, but then we'd be moving back home to Pittsburgh. So my husband was finishing up his residency and I started our planning for moving back home to Pittsburgh. You know, what are the job opportunities going to look like? And because I'm boarded in family med and lifestyle med, I wanted to make sure that whatever job I got was going to allow me to practice both of those realms. And I got offered, let's call it, you know, quote, the dream job by one of the big institutions here in Pittsburgh, one of the two big behemoths in the healthcare world. And uh, my, thankfully, my residency director from, uh, from Mayo's pulled me aside one day and he said, I know how you practice medicine. Uh, I know that you spend time with patients. I know that you don't, uh, that you like to be a disruptor and you don't like to necessarily, you know, be told what to do in this realm that we currently are in, in this healthcare model. Have you heard of direct primary care? And I was like, no. And he said, let's go to the conference. We went to the conference in Indianapolis that year 
on the ride back home from Minneapolis back down to Rochester, Minnesota, after we got home, I called my dad who is an OBGYN, had been in private practice forever and ever, and then was bought out by the big systems later on, you know, so he very much values private practice. I called him and I said, daddy, when I move back home next year, I'm starting my own practice. And that was it. The rest was history. That's just incredible, especially the idea that your residency director told you about direct primary care. I find that is such a sign that this movement is going in the right direction because I feel that affecting the pipeline is a huge issue. And so that is so powerful. It gives me chills to think about a residency director telling his or her residents, you know, hey, knowing you and knowing you as a doctor and knowing your dedication to this type of medicine that he recommended that you go into direct primary care. I think that is so powerful. Yeah. It speaks to, it speaks so highly of him and then his awareness of his residence, you know, and he saved my career, you know? Absolutely. I just love that. And he's probably telling more and more people as time goes on about direct primary care. So that is fantastic that the movement is growing from, from your residency specifically. When you called your dad and had that conversation and you decided that you were going to move back, did you have your son by that time? Yeah. So at that point I was on staff at Mayo. We had had Luca at that time. And, um, I was about a year out from moving home back home. So that really started, that was in June of 2018 and we moved back home May of 2019. So in that year, knowing we were moving back home to Pittsburgh, I started figuring out what this was going to look like from afar, from Minnesota. Um, And in that year, I became pregnant with Layla. So really that year from 28, summer 2018 to summer 2019 was a, you know, insane whirlwind. I can't imagine what you went through given that you were also geographically moving your family. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. We, you know, we moved back home to Pittsburgh, May of 2019. My husband started his first, you know, attending job as a surgeon, June of 2019. Luca turned, or I had Layla July of 2019. Luca turned two seven days later. I opened my practice about two months later after that. So it was like, (laughs) wow, (laughs) like not, it was literally nonstop. I'm sure that you're in the the group of us who we wouldn't have it any other way though, right? Nope. Nope. I don't know how to function any other way. (laughs) I definitely am am more productive when there's more on my plate than when there's too few things on my plate. Now, one of the things that I, I absolutely loved about learning just more about you prior to the interview is on your social media, you had video going about your practice prior to even opening. And prior to, there was one post where it featured you talking about where you're thinking you're going to find a location. So tell us about your strategy from developing your practice from afar, because I think that especially for people who are looking to start right out of residency and who are looking who are looking to move back to their home communities, that this might be really helpful for them to hear. Sure. So my position was a little unique in that I was moving back home, right, to Pittsburgh, to the city where I grew up, where my dad had practiced for 45 years. So the name was known, but not as a primary care physician. The name was known as an OBGYN. I had no patients coming with me, right? Because all of my patients as an attending were at back in Minnesota. 
So I was coming, you know, in somewhat of a clean slate, uh, but also with thankfully, you know, the practice that my dad had developed for so long and, and his influence in the city, I really felt like I was coming home to a community that I was ready to like pick up that torch and start running with it in a lot of ways, but also starting from a whole different type of practice model. So what I decided to do was how can I start in that year prior to opening? How can I differentiate myself from my dad, right? And from how patients had known him and then have the community get to know me and all the young community get to know me as a separate entity who is starting a whole different type of practice model. And the best way I knew how to do that was just being me, or I don't know, like just showing my mug, you know, and doing some videos and feelers out there and just trying to get the community involved and get to know me from the start in a vulnerable way. I, I, what, you know, for better or for worse, I am a vulnerable person and just try to kind of put it all out there. And what was interesting was when I, right before I opened and had people pre-enrolling, I had some, several people pre-enroll that had been watching me for the past year before I even opened. And so that was really cool to see because it really showed um, to be a part of the community, you got to be a part of the community. (laughs) You can't just be this separate person, you know, who is like, I'm a doctor and I'm opening this office. No. I'm with you. I want to help the community. Here's why. Here's who I am. Help me grow this practice together. You definitely make it very clear that you are authentic when you put your posts up on your social media feed. You even had the one where you were kickboxing and in your quotation, you said, you know, some people worry if their doctor is right there with them. And it's very clear that you are authentic when you, when you make your posts. So kudos to you on that. But I definitely think that, you know, that is going to forever be in your favor of people knowing you. And so they feel comfortable joining your practice, even though they might not know you know you. Thank you. With you developing your own place in the Pittsburgh community, and with you having opened at the end of 2018, what is your patient population like? Is it younger families? Or do you have older folks joining you? What's what's your patient population like? So my patient population now is I'd say heavily in the 30s, 40s, 50s range. It's not a heavy Medicare population. You know, my practice is actually in, like, I'd consider it in the city. Um, the city of Pittsburgh has a lot of cute neighborhoods, and um, but they are all, we have these beautiful rivers. So we are, when you're in the city, you're right in the city, um, uh, in these different neighborhoods. And I'm in one of those great neighborhoods. So therefore, I have a younger population. You know, it's it's from students to graduate students to young families um, tend to be who are more settling in the city. Professors, you know, it's, it's that type of population. Since you opened in September of 2019, how has your community grown? Has it grown by word of mouth or have you done marketing? I've definitely done marketing, but that didn't start till 10 months into my practice plus. So really, I'd say word of mouth has been the biggest uh, growth for my practice, no doubt. And I find that as my patient panel grows more and more, the word of mouth grows more, right? And that's naturally going to happen when you're growing a practice because until you've lived it as a patient, a DPC patient, it's so hard to fathom. Um, and so now I have an awesome marketing consultant who um, is my friend as well. And he has been able to open my eyes into ways that I can continue telling that story because I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but until it's the patients who are telling that story, 
nobody cares, right? Nobody's going to believe you until, until they hear it from who's actually been experiencing it. Absolutely. And that, that just goes to the idea of social media influencers, right? Advertisers were finding that they were wasting money on traditional advertising compared to paying people who are on social media. So by harnessing your authenticity on social media, I definitely think you're building that buy-in for patients in the future, as well as your patients being able to point other family members or friends to your social media to say, hey, look, no, like this is her. She's just cuddling on the couch, teaching her son medical facts out of a textbook, right? Yes. Oh, you saw the vaginitis one. I love that. You saw that video. <laughs> Purely yep. amazing. Yeah, definitely mom of the year material. Absolutely. <laughs> now, when you opened, did you open with any staff? I have a marketing consultant that um, I you know, contract out and pay to help me. I have an amazing pre-medical student Um, This is a cool story. So this past summer-ish, she had heard about my practice and said, I want to practice, you know, at preventive med, lifestyle medicine. I love free market medicine. Can I come shadow you someday? And we started talking and talking and I said, "Um, do you want to just come work for me? So now while she she will be starting medical school this coming summer. Um, So for this past uh, six to eight months, she's worked for me and been my right-hand woman. Um, so as I transition her off to medical school, I am now ready to hire my first staff, which will be a nurse. She'll start in two weeks. I am so excited for you just hearing that because I think about when I was graduating residency and the options were anything employed. The idea of being a self-employed physician was never on the table. It just goes back to how amazing it was that your residency director was telling you about DPC. It's also amazing that you have inspired someone who is at the beginning of her medical school career to do DPC so that she can tailor her training, her residency choice by what she wants to do after residency. And in addition to DPC, the idea that she's interested in lifestyle medicine, I think that that is something also that a lot of us who have graduated residency already are learning about, but it wasn't something heavily covered while we were in residency or in medical school. So again, kudos to you for being where you are at the time you are practicing and inspiring somebody else to potentially be your partner as your practice grows and you need someone to come on. Yeah. And the other thing that I've seen has been really fun. Uh, we have a lot of pit med students. I've been teaching at pit med now and, um, we have a lot of those med students help us with our flu vaccine clinics and then our COVID vaccine clinics. And they, it's so cool. We just got a comment the other weekend where they were like, wait, wait, you don't take insurance. That's a thing. Like you, you can do that. And they were floored, you know, and just seeing how happy we are as docs, as DPC docs. And, oh man, it was so cool to see. Now with you mentioning you also having a position at teaching medical students at Pitt and earlier you mentioned having two little ones, how has that all been in terms of balancing family life with everything professional that is going on? So I've been working a lot lately on being genuine. So I have a a friend who's a journalist and we've been doing a, a show every week on Instagram live where we are talking about mental health and wellness and what we've really been saying is it's okay to not be okay. And so along with that is, you know, when we say, oh, I'm doing it all and it's great, you know, no, it's really challenging. And I honestly have been feeling it lately. Wow. 
I'm really feeling it. And you know, as a lot of us who go into DPC, I'm sure it's that type of personality of like kind of badass. Like those of us that pull off, you know, opening our own practice, that's kind of hardcore, you know? So I think a lot of us also then have the types of personalities where we take on a lot of different things because we can, right? We're good at it. So you do it. And what I'm noticing with two tinies at home, you know, a husband that I'm crazy about and, you know, want to spend time with and love on and be with, I take care of myself too. I put a lot of, you know, self-care time in plus all of this other stuff. It gets to be a lot. It really has gotten to be a lot. And I'm starting to realize um, one of my favorite uh, mentors in residency, when I joined staff, he said, kid, say no to everything because he was warning me. He's like, you know, they're going to ask you to do a lot of stuff. And now I'm realizing that a few years later, he was right. (laughs) You know, how do you adjust your patient schedule so that it is working with your, where you are in life schedule? So I still take that part very seriously of um, making my schedule at least work for things like workouts, being home on time with the babies, being there in the morning to have breakfast with them, uh, getting my manicures in, getting my massage, like doing those self-care things are scheduled into my schedule. So um, my patient schedule works around that. I did learn to take Fridays off and I use quotes for off, um, but as my admin day, because those are days when I'm catching up on meetings or working on some, some other stuff that I have to be doing for the practice and for the DPC world in Pittsburgh. So I do use those days and then I get home early those days too, because I want to be home for the weekend. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your calls for more content have not fallen on deaf ears. I am so excited to announce the My DPC Story Patreon community. Delve into exclusive full-length interviews with pioneers like Dr. Niti Kapoor, our inaugural physician guest, and get further enlightening insights from our current season's doctors, starting with Dr. Harpreet Sui. Hear our guests share even more, from their worst days to their best days and everything in between. Get access to this treasure trove of conversations and more by joining our My DPC Story community now. Check out the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash my DPC story fan. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash my DPC story fan. As you're onboarding new patients, given that you are scheduling your time with your kids, your workouts, your self-care, do you turn off the tap of patients that you're onboarding when it gets to a point where you're like, mm, this is this is encroaching in my desire to keep a balanced life? I have not turned off the tap yet. So I've kept um, open patient panel thus far. That's part of what has led me to hire a nurse very, very part-time for now, but she'll be starting to just help me start to get my act together and get on top of things again. Because if I weren't hiring a nurse, I am very much at the point where I would, for my own mental well-being, would need to have a wait list pretty soon. And in terms of your growth, do you grow at a typical number of patients per month that are added on as new patients or has that just grown exponentially? I, over the course of opening my practice, have averaged about 
I'd say a range of 10 to 15 patients a month. That varies because, you know, there was that thing called the pandemic. <laughs> so it, basically a whole year of my year and a half of being in practice was the pandemic. So that really didn't affect it a ton, but I will say that during, let's say the fall, it was like November, December were slower months for me. And now it's picked back up to that average. With you mentioning the pandemic, I want to ask about COVID and how it's affected your practice because you and your family, unfortunately did get COVID. And I want to ask, how did that affect your patient care in terms of, were you able to still see patients virtually? Did you take time off? Were patients accepting? I'm totally stacking questions here and I apologize for that. That was really tough. The way that unfolded was so interesting. Um, we have a really tight knit DPC community here in Pittsburgh and we, all of us practices take care of each other. And it was a Friday that we had an email chain amongst all of us saying, you guys, COVID starting to get real bad here in Pittsburgh. It was uh, a couple weeks before Thanksgiving at that time. Cases are starting to go up. It's going to happen. One of us is going to get sick. We need to have a coverage system. That same exact day, that Friday, I was starting to have a sore throat and congestion. And sure enough, you know, a couple of days later, diagnosed with COVID, my two kids, um, we're starting to have like so silly of symptoms, you know, like nothing at all, but you knew, okay, it's on like Donkey Kong. My husband tested positive. And thankfully my husband and our two kids were not very sick at all. I'm the one who got freaking slammed days and days and days. Uh, so I was pretty much out of commission and running a practice solo when you are out of commission like that is not a thing. It's really, really hard to do. So that was really a challenging time because I was dealing with being sick, being scared of being sick, you know, with this terrible virus that has affected so many people so sadly and poorly, but also being worried about patient satisfaction and wanting them to, you know, be taken care of. So what I did was what I always do, which I was vulnerable and open. And I let my patients know I'm sick. Here's what's going on. I'm going to do my best, the best I can to take care of you while I'm, you know, not doing okay, but I'm not in office right now. Here's what you can expect. And everyone was amazing. I got, you know, flowers and nice messages and people checking in. It was a typical DPC doc experience. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that because I have talked with residents who, when I asked them, what would scare you about DPC if you were to even consider doing that? And that's one of the things, what happens if I'm the only doctor and I'm not there? If what happens if I'm the only doctor, like, can I go on vacation? If I get sick, what, what's the contingency plan? And I want to touch on the fact that you have this Pittsburgh association of, of direct care doctors, but when people are even functioning within the same state, I mean, other doctors can cover you easily over telemedicine and there's always the emergency room and urgent care. You know, if there's, if there's truly something that needs emergent care, but yeah, I think that, you know, that is so important for people to hear. So thank you for sharing that. I, I think that speaks in DPC to remind us all set boundaries because when, when that was happening, I did have a patient experience where there was a, a request from a patient that was urgent on their end, but in reality was not. And I was able to set those boundaries and say, 
I'm really not okay right now. Um, this can be taken care of at X, Y, and Z time. And they were fully understanding. So it's important for us as, as DPC docs to remember to set our boundaries with patients or else we could get completely run over in that sense if people get demanding enough. Very important to hear as well, because I think in the fee-for-service world, it's so easy to have your MA call the patient to tell them such and such. And there's a different personal investment in DPC. When you're running your own practice, you want to care for them as much as possible. But at the same time, you cannot take care of anyone if you don't take care of yourself. Correct. Now, you mentioned the direct care physicians of Pittsburgh. So can you please share with the listeners, what is that? So I got to tell the whole story of um, the interesting story of this. So when I went to that DPC conference, when I was, you know, just a, a mere infant, DPC infant, I'm sitting there and the few people that are sitting in front of me at the table in front of me seemed familiar. And I heard them say Pittsburgh. And I walked up to them and said, are you guys from Pittsburgh? And it was Dr. Kirsten Lynn, Dr. Leela Doherty, and um, her husband, Dr. Joe Doherty. And we get to know each other and chat. And it turns out now they're all my awesome friends. And Kirsten was the first one to open a DPC practice in Pittsburgh. So this is almost four years ago now. And when she opened her practice and then eventually Dr. Doherty joined her and then eventually Dr. Sam Urick opened his practice, they all formed a group called the Direct Care Physicians of Pittsburgh. And it was an alliance of, of DPC docs, you know, moving DPC forward in the city. But it's really hard. I mean, I'm sure it's hard in every city, but in a city like Pittsburgh, which is absolutely dominated by the traditional healthcare model. I'm talking, you drive into our beautiful city, right on the tops of buildings, the tops of buildings, you see all their big names. Um, it is no secret who dominates here. So it was hard for a group like that, um, an alliance like that, to really take a foothold when they're also trying to build their own practices. So it fizzled a bit. When I moved here, we all, um, you know, of course, became friends. And then we decided to revive direct care physicians of Pittsburgh and really start to determine what it means, what we're going to do, what our aims are, our goals are. Um, and now we are running full force forward to make DPC a thing in Pittsburgh. With you guys making this commitment to educate the community about DPC and to encourage and inspire other members of the community to become DPC patients, have you guys done educating of other healthcare professionals such as acupuncturists or physical therapists or dentists so that they also educate their people about what direct primary care is and that it's accessible? So not formally as the direct care physicians of Pittsburgh, but us as DPC docs already do that day to day, you know, with the people we refer to. Um, and then, you know, even our, some of our own patients are in those uh, fields. So they end up educating their community in that way. But that is one of our major goals as DCPP to do that. Fantastic. Now, during the pandemic, the DCPP also went in as a collective to buy a refrigerator to house COVID vaccines and to really target, especially healthcare workers that are not associated with the big systems to get them the vaccine. Can you please share about how that came to be? And recently there has been issues in the state of Pennsylvania with regards to access to the vaccine. So can you share about what's been going on there as well? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Thank you to Spruce Health for supporting the MyDPC Story podcast. The ways we communicate have changed dramatically over the past decades, but technology and tools in healthcare have not kept pace. Patients want more access and digital convenience, as well as the ability to text their care teams. Care teams are inundated with more communication and rising expectations, but are still using tools and technology stuck in prior decades. Spruce Health created a solution for the tech-forward DPC practice by creating a communication product designed to serve both the patient and the doctor through intuitive HIPAA-compliant workflows, tagging, scheduled messages, and triage templates ready for use, whether you're on your phone or in the exam room. New users get 20% off for the first 12 months of a paid plan with code MARYAL20. That's M-A-R-Y-A-L-2-0. So check out Spruce Health today at sprucehealth.com or check out the link in the show notes. Wow. Yeah, it's been an interesting couple of months, let me tell you. So we already share uh, vaccines And so we had purchased a vaccine fridge and freezer. So we had that on hand for our regular vaccines. And by we, I mean the DCPP. COVID vaccine time came and we knew that they were coming to the state of PA. And we said we are perfectly positioned to play a role in helping with this rollout. So what initially started was we are independent healthcare workers So no one's taking care of us with getting this vaccine, but we've been seeing patients this entire time. You know, we are at risk. So therefore, if we're in this position, you know, everybody else that's in our position is not getting taken care of either. And I'm talking everybody, psychologists, you know, therapists, dentists, chiropractors, all of these people who independently work, own their own businesses and are owned by the big healthcare systems. So we said, let's start running clinics to help them. Let's mobilize and get the COVID vaccine to them. And we, as a a group, a small group of independent physicians, you know, it's amazing. I keep saying it, but it's amazing what happens when you get out of our way and let us do what we know how to do, which is help our community. And that's what we did. We helped independent healthcare workers. We ran clinics to vaccinate them. We vaccinated over 600 independent healthcare workers and then opened that up to do more Because as the phases rolled out in Pennsylvania, those criteria broadened. Um, And so we were able to open our clinics to those 65 and older, those with underlying health conditions, et cetera. But uh, I don't know how much it's it's news across the country, but I know in our state, uh, it's news that we are the black sheep right now of getting this vaccine rolled out. Um, it's, it's nothing short of an embarrassment of how this past couple of months have gone. And what we've turned into as DCPP is an advocacy group. We have gone, we are, a lot of us are Italians. So, uh, you know, if you're Italian, you'll understand we're taking it to the mattresses. We're just going hard. Um, News all over the place, you know, getting as much as we can out into the media, broadcasting on social media and getting people fired up. We have almost 1500 signatures on a petition that is saying stop limiting the number of vaccines that we can get as small independent clinics, pharmacies, physician offices. We are the ones who are perfectly positioned to help our patients and be in an accessible way for our patients to get to us. Beyond the 1,500 signatures of the, on, on your petition, has there been any response from the public health department? Because one of the news features that you were in, uh, you were inside, a, a, it, looks, it looks like a gym where you were vaccinating. 
the the health department person was saying, we absolutely want to vaccinate our independent healthcare providers because they are seeing patients and they are taking care of patients as well. And so it's so ironic to hear that as a state, there were decisions to limit your guys' access to the vaccine. Yeah. So it's just interesting to me that pandemic started, you know, uh, really being known in March of 2020. And we had from March of 2020 till end of December of 2020, knowing a vaccine was coming. And yet with all of that time to prepare, somehow it's still this poorly run. Um, And I guess that's just the type A in me that I can't imagine being in a position of power and leadership and just really messing it up that bad. What happened was after there was enough uh, discussion, I guess, about the big healthcare systems vaccinating their, you know, uh, administrative people who were working from home and not even taking care of patients. It was then, okay, well, we're going to allot X percentage of our vaccine supply to make sure that we help people outside of our health system, you know, get them vaccinated. It's, it's very indicative of our current healthcare system in general, how we are not healthcare, we are sick care. This has all been trying to put band-aids on things after the fact. Reactivity versus proactivity. Yep. Yep. Earlier, you mentioned that your friend is a journalist. And I'm wondering, is that your quote unquote in that has allowed you to be able to share your experience as a doctor during this pandemic? No, really. What has happened is um, once the media got a hold of what we were doing, it all took off from there. And now we all, each of us, DCPP, Uh, We have contacts at the different news stations and we just text them pretty much on the daily and give them whatever information they want. One thing that we've seen a lot in Pennsylvania was a complete lack of communication from our Department of Health at the state level. And so what we did as DCPP and the local pharmacies, these small clinics and small pharmacies, is we just started to raise hell and say, there's no transparency in the healthcare model in general. And there's no transparency right now with this COVID vaccine rollout. You deserve transparency, public. You deserve communication. And now we're seeing over an abundant communication in the past week from the Department of Health, almost like they're trying to like, again, reactive response. But alas, we'll take what we can get. Absolutely. Now, with the increased visibility because of being featured in the media, I'm assuming that you must have gotten just a flood of communications, phone calls, emails. How did you handle that as a solo practitioner? That I think that was really the spiral that led to a lot of us feeling really burnt out was that influx of attention um, and phone calls. Because as a DPC doc, you automatically have a lot of texts, phone calls, emails every day. Just that's how our, how our communication styles are. Um, Add on top of that from the community, non-patients, the constant phone calls and voicemails. And and on top of that, the sad voicemails and phone calls. I've been trying, you know, it's like a full-time job trying to get a vaccine. I Please help me. My so-and-so mom is this ill. I mean, it's like, it's heartbreaking. And so that has been extremely draining, uh, trying to keep up with that. So the way we tried to combat that is, Thankfully, we all work together through DCPP and we created a unified email, you know, a unified contact from that perspective that we all can pop into and try and manage and just taking care of each other when we can, you know, to return phone calls and reach out. You know, it's been a lot of auto replies on texts and emails we've had to create. 
just recently you had posted about, and I loved it. It was like at 4.15, you got a call about somebody needing a vaccine. And by 6.45, you were home and cuddling with your kids and somebody had been vaccinated. So how does it work when you guys do home visits for the vaccines or home visits in general? Yeah. So home visits in general is just one of the, my favorite parts of DPC, just being able to, to offer that to patients. But for the vaccine, that was a pretty cool story because throughout this process, those of us who are in small settings have become really close. Um, so the small pharmacies, small physicians offices, we've just banded together and we text each other. And what happened was one of the pharmacists texted me and said, I've got extra doses. You want them? I said, hell yeah, I want them. Drove over, picked them up. Dr. Lynn picked up the, the supplies from her office. We met, I brought my son and we went and vaccinated a homebound couple. Boom, back home, no problem. You know, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing about all of this with DPC. It's just so simple because when you take the bells and whistles and all the bullshit out of it, all of a sudden you're able to, oh, practice medicine and take care of humans. And it's the most freeing feeling as exhausting as it can be sometimes and challenging as it is to be a business owner. And it, it it's like so freeing. Uh, you can't replace that. I absolutely feel that sense of freedom from everybody that I speak with doing DPC, because like you said, it's just simple medicine and simple, not in terms of, you know, unintelligent, but simple as in this is how easy medicine and how inexpensive medicine can be. It doesn't take, you know, the HR department and the legal department and the administrative department and all of these layers to create a system so that a patient can get vaccinated, nor does the patient have to wait two, three weeks until their appointment time is available so that they can get the vaccine. You literally, <laughs> I, that's why I loved that post. It was like at 4.15, this happened at 6.45, I was home. Like, and someone had been vaccinated. That That is just amazing. So I actually took screenshots of your post and I'm going to put that on your blog because the timeline there is beautiful. Now you mentioned a pharmacy calling you to say, Hey, we have extra doses of the vaccine. Now that is absolutely in line with direct primary care people working together. Like you guys did the day that you gave these vaccines. Can you tell a little bit more about this relationship you have with blueberry pharmacy? Yeah, so that was a different pharmacy that that happened with. But Blueberry Pharmacy, oh my gosh, Kyle, the pharmacist there is doing some mind-blowing stuff. So he is like our counterpart, but as a pharmacist, he's a cash pay pharmacy. Um, and by cash pay, I mean, you know, self-pay cash pricing uh, pharmacist. And he uh, came to us in Pittsburgh, thank God, and opened his pharmacy and now is um, helping so many people, whether they have insurance or not, save money on their medications. So he and I touched base uh, several months back and came up with this idea of what if his pharmacy benefit, being a member of his pharmacy, was tied into being a member of my practice. And so essentially, as being a member, a member of my practice, you also have access to Kyle as your pharmacist, uh, and you could get your meds from Blueberry Pharmacy if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. But it also gives me the opportunity to pay him for his time as I consult with him about my patient's medications, uh, polypharmacy, um, pricing of medications, drug-drug interactions, et cetera, et cetera. So what a cool relationship. And we're going to pilot that for the next couple of months and, and uh, you know start to work out the kinks. And then as we collect data, we'll take it on a broader scale to DCPP and 
you know, work as a, as a group together in DCPP on a broader scale to see how we can make this, uh, you know, a lasting relationship. It makes me think about how your dad sold his practice. People who are in pharmacy positions have also experienced this frustration with the, the way that our insurance-driven healthcare is running and is affecting patients. And so I think that's wonderful that, you know, the education is going beyond just physicians in your community and that you have built this collaboration also with a, a direct care pharmacy. Um, now, in terms of your patients, when they go to Blueberry, is there already an understanding on their computer end that they're a patient at Gentilly as well? Or, okay. Yeah, because it's that, again, it's that easy. You know, it's it's me sending a prescription over to Kyle so he knows that it's coming from me. Um, and then, you know, or it's me shooting Kyle a text or giving him a call and talking directly to him. It's, it's these relationships that are just like never had that in the past, you know, just that easy call somebody up and let's talk about it kind of relationship. And I didn't have that until DPC. In terms of bringing your patient's value, I want to highlight the fact that you're double boarded in family medicine, as well as lifestyle medicine. Can you share about how you decided to become boarded and how you actually became boarded in lifestyle medicine? So I guess my whole life, I've been practicing lifestyle medicine and didn't realize it. Um, so I've always been really focused on health and wellness in general, you know, from college on. And then when I was in residency, I was teaching workout classes in the community where my residency clinic was. And it came time to be, you know, graduate and get boarded in family med. And um, we had been going to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine conferences throughout the couple of years in residency. And I was like, well, duh, I should get boarded in this too. I mean, this is, this gives a name and a credential to what I am already doing. Um, so I became boarded in lifestyle medicine a couple of months after that and the, and sat for the inaugural board exam for that certification. And it's, it's been a really cool experience because again, it, it gives a, just like DPC and calling something direct primary care gave a name to what I always thought medicine should be practiced as lifestyle medicine gave a name to the type of medicine that I, um, feel best serves my patients. That's wonderful. And in terms of how you use your lifestyle medicine education experience, how do you get that information to your patients? So I start by walking the walk. Um, so I start by leading by example and trying to, you know, make it clear to my patients in the community day to day or through social media or through my patient counseling that they are not alone in this journey toward a healthier lifestyle, whether that be through diet, exercise, social support, stress management, et cetera. And then I try to put out things on social media with regard to uh, education about different lifestyle topics. But on top of that, for my patients, I do monthly rounds. So each month, you know, for example, this month was February rounds and my patients get an email that has various topics that I go over and that my marketing consultant has made it into this beautiful package where we write these articles, articles together, and he edits things to make them look nice. And my patients get to learn about different things. So February rounds, for example, had stuff about mask knee. So mask acne and ways to manage that. But there's also a lot about mental health in my rounds each month, or I talk about sexual health, uh, supplementation and, you know, pros and cons of different types, et cetera. So we get into all of that. And I try to try to help educate my patients and give them 
some digestible bits that, that they know, Hey, my doc actually has been listening to what we've all been saying each month as patients, you know, and, and is making, uh, making some grounds to learn about that and educate us. I, I love the personability of that because you know, that Dr. Gentile has put time and effort into being there, being present in your patient's lives, even though they might not need to see you that month. Yeah. And we try to really focus each month with those rounds on like, what are some topics I've been hearing consistently from patients? Because what really ends up happening is if, if I'm hearing it consistently from patients, there are probably other patients that just are afraid to talk about it, but now they know the space is open for them to bring it up. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that is something where I've heard people ask about, well, how do you, how do you find topics to, to touch on? And I definitely agree that if you hear it from one or two people, it, the, the chances are that more people are wanting to know that mm-hmm. and might not know how to ask the question, uh, perhaps. Now, going back to lifestyle medicine, for people who are new to your practice or having difficulty with their mental, emotional, physical health, specifically, what do you say to people who say statements like, um, it's, it's too late or it's too hard. I know you said you start off with walk the walk, but, but how do you address those for patients who are having such a difficult time envisioning what they could achieve? Mm -hmm. I try to focus a lot on, um, I do a lot of motivational interviewing. I also focus a lot on reminding people that their genes don't determine their destiny. Um, So, you know, we get into a lot of empowering type of talk and goal setting and making things tangible and achievable. You know, we try not to bite off too much when it comes to goal setting um, me and my patients together. And then I just remind them, like, I'm here, like I'm an accountability partner One thing that's really interesting about DPC is um, because we have so much time with patients and so many touch points with patients, we are so much more than just primary care in the general definition sense. When people think of primary care, they think of that poor experience that they've been having where they they don't have any time, they don't have any continuity or follow-up with their doc. But in DPC, we all know that's so different. Um, So we end up doing a lot more than just primary care. Um, so I try to make it clear to them, like, yes, I'm your primary care doctor, but there's so much more I can help you with. So don't feel pigeonholed. Don't feel like you can't achieve these goals or get out of what you thought was your destiny, um, and your health. We can, we can achieve more together. I love it. And I I believe it was Dr. Beckenhauer who said, you know, if there's anything that comes up, ask me first, because likely I will be able to answer that question. Because as we all know, a well-trained primary care doctor, a physician will be able to take care of 85 to 90% of problems. And that's just with common health issues. And again, with the time, like you're saying, you can go way beyond that. So one of the things that you had offered in the past was the optimizing your health series. Can you share a little bit about that? And did you incorporate goal setting as, as a collective in your, in your patient panel uh, within that series? So I'm on the board of Plant-Based Pittsburgh, which is our organization that works to educate the community about incorporating more plants in your diet and um, just eating more of a rainbow plate. And we do a lot of education series in the community. And um, I've done webinars as part of the Plant-Based Pittsburgh work. And so we had this uh, three-month series to start the year of optimizing your health. Um, So I did a a talk about the gut microbiome. Um, 
what I also, what I did individually for my patients outside of plant-based Pittsburgh was a lifestyle challenge for the first month of the year. And that was different from like a get healthy because it's new, new year's day. You know, it was a, it was more of a, let's work together on goal setting. Let's work together on identifying some deeper issues, your relationships with food, you know, intuitive eating assessments, et cetera. So I get to do a lot of that stuff through my lifestyle medicine training because I have the time and opportunity to. And in addition to your practice and your involvement with Plant-Based Pittsburgh, you also are involved with the Walk at Home production company. So please share about that because that that is definitely an exciting aspect of you as a doctor. That's a really fun story. So um, if you've heard of Walk at, um, if you've heard of Walk with a Doc, so the international movement of getting out walking with a doc uh, and you do like a short education for your community. And then you go and walk together with your patients. Um, and it's, it's a, an amazing program. So February, 2020, I, um, I said, you know, March, 2020 is going to be our, my first walk with a doc for the Pittsburgh chapter. We're going to have our first walk with a doc. Well, that, you know, went down the drain and I said, well, okay, I could go the rest of the year and say no, no in-person walks. So I guess we're not doing walk with the doc or, I could just keep doing it, but virtually. So I started making videos each month when my walk with a doc would be held, I would make a video and do the education. Then I'd say, you know, come walk, like make sure you get out and walk. Well, there is a company called walk productions and uh, Leslie Sansone for 30 plus years has been making walk at home workout videos that have revolutionized exercise um, and, and accessibility to exercise. Well, Leslie Sansone is a big fan of walk with a doc and had been working with the walk with a doc, um, organizational team in the past and had seen my videos. She came across them and said, well, we are originally a Pittsburgh based company. They're now in LA and New York. Um, but we need to have like a doc that's, that's doing this. Like, this is huge. Uh, so over, so she contacted me and I was like, oh my God, is this real life? Like I have always taught fitness. I have always been interested in this. Um, and now like a production company is calling. This is so exciting. Um, so I've had the, the privilege of getting to know Leslie and getting to know her daughter, Marie, um, who's now like big time in the production uh, realm in walk productions and uh, really fun. This past weekend, I actually filmed my first piece as a walk leader. Um, and my cast was six healthcare workers. So I got to pick um, med students, my husband, who's a surgeon, Dr. Kirsten Lynn, who's a DPC physician, were in my cast and we got to do a one mile walk and got filmed and that'll be out soon on YouTube. Um, and then I got to lead a yoga as well, because I'm a yoga instructor. So that honestly, like that gets me really riled up, like teaching exercise Ooh, and then being able to teach exercise as a doc and being able to, you know, integrate in the community in that way, that is the stuff that like gets me cheese in real hard and gets me really excited. And it doesn't come with like the bells and whistles and challenging parts of being a doctor, right? Like that's just plain fun. I, I love that. And you can definitely hear the enthusiasm coming through. Now, I want to jump to when you think about your career, where you've come from, where you are now what are three top tips that you could give to others about how you thrive as a mom, as a doctor, as a teacher, as a coach, all of the roles that you play in life? What are the top three tips that you give to others? So yeah, speaking specifically as a mom, woman in medicine uh, and a wife, 
if that family unit or support system unit that you have is not intact, everything else can crumble. So um, that's something that I'm constantly working on. And of course, I'm sure you can relate constantly having that guilt about, you know, wanting to make sure that that's, that I'm optimizing my time with my family and being as present as I can. And that's really challenging. That's really hard. You know, I'm going to start crying, but like, that's, that's really hard to do. And, but that is utmost importance. So like looking at my career and looking where I've come so far and where I want to go, that is needs to be where the headlights are at all times, because the rest is just gravy, honestly. So first tip is get your house in order, uh, get your support system in order. Second is because of that strong support system and getting your house in order, thrive off of that. You know, you really just take that and let that fuel your passion. Know what your know what that passion is and be true to it. So for me, that passion has always been walking the walk, being, you know, being in the community and leading by example. So be in a setting where you can do that. You know, DPC for me was the way to do that. And then my third tip would be, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable and being vulnerable with your colleagues and being vulnerable with your family and being vulnerable with your patients and your community is authentic. And that is, that's the real deal. And people want to see that. That's what's going to help us break down our trust barriers that people, you know, as patients have with our healthcare community right now. The trust issue is so bad right now because there's not that relationship or transparency, but we as DPC docs are primed to help break down that trust barrier and make sure our patients know they are heard, they're seeing a real human being, and we are here to be communicative, transparent, and help them thrive as individuals. Especially on that last point and then tying into the walk at home involvement. So I actually randomly walked into this clubhouse app group where literally it's just achieve your 10K today. And I don't know anybody in this group, but in in my profile, I put that I'm a physician. And so people started asking me about that. And I started educating them about direct primary care. And every single person who has ever talk to me about medicine in that group has had this massive trust issue because of being taken care of poorly in the insurance driven healthcare system. So to be vulnerable, to be authentic, you really are busting through those barriers with regards to your doctor is not a cog. Your doctor is a person just like you, your doctor, like you're saying, walks the walk just like you do. So I love, I love, love, love those, those tips. Now, in terms of other resources that you would recommend, you've definitely touched on a lot of resources, the Walk at Home Productions, Plant-Based Pittsburgh, Blueberry Pharmacy. I'm including these links on the accompanying blog that goes with your podcast, but do you have any other resources that you recommend to others frequently? Yeah. So um, of course, the DPC Docs Facebook page has been absolutely integral And then, of course, DPC News, uh, plugging for Dr. Farrago, love. And um, then resource-wise for um, lifestyle medicine would be the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Um, So starting there when when going through that process of learning more about it, I would say those are are places where I've been pointing medical students all the way up to DPC-curious physicians. And on that note, what is the best way for others to reach out to you after this podcast? 
Yeah. So please feel free to email me gentillyfamilydpc at gmail.com or uh, text or call me 412-219-4613. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Gentilly. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. Next week, look forward to hearing from Ankit Vakasia, registered pharmacist. As a DPC community, we are constantly bringing value to our patients. With that in mind, I will feature those supporting physician-led practices who help build in that value from time to time. As we just heard from Dr. Gentili, there is value that can be found in direct care pharmacies working with DPC clinics. Ankit Vakasia is one of those pharmacists who has helped multiple physician-led DPC practices in California. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends, too. For more information on this episode and much more, please visit mydpcstory.com. Also, for the latest in DPC news, check out dpcnews.com. Until next week, this is Marielle Conception.